Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbercast, the only baseball podcast in the world too healthy and too ripped to ever fail a physical. You understand me? I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Woo! Look, may I have broken my finger at Jewish summer camp playing basketball in 2009? Yes, but will that stop me from signing a $300 million contract? No, it will not. I promise It would you. If you were going to sign it with the Giants, though. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Jake, good morning. It is Thursday. It is 24 hours, roughly, after we recorded the surprise. Jordan Carlos Correa is on the Mets now. I just have to say, where was this same energy this morning when Danny Mendick signed with the Mets? Because when I rolled over and I saw the news that Danny Mendick had signed with the Mets, I was like, why didn't I know you were up before me? And I didn't see a string of text saying, don't look at your phone. We need to save this once again. I, where was this? Come on, Danny Can you Mendick's imagine if I had just done it again and revealed Danny Mendick to you? Oh, my uh, God. See, yes. but that's not cool because no, I right. want to establish uh, a, a, an environment of trust yes. between the two of us. I can't be... You know, rope doping you into Danny Mendick news. No, you're so you're so right, and and, and right. It was very clear that that everything that happened yesterday was worthy of the ten missed calls and all the texts. It worked out great. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that surprise video yesterday, and uh, but now we have had a day for the this news to sink in. Uh, of course, Correa is not officially on the Mets yet. Although, let's just get that out of the way. Everyone's like, oh, it's pending physical. Steve Cohen could the Mets doctors could look at his medical and be like, oh, I don't know. And guess what? Steve Cohen's going to say, I don't give a shit. I'm in charge. You're going to be on the Mets. So the medical <laughs> is going to be Steve Cohen going, how many fingers am I holding up? And then Carlos <laughs> Cray will say three. OK, and then he'll be on the Mets. <laughs> right. So we're, I'm not worried about that. That's said, we don't know exactly how quickly uh, that'll go official. The point is, is he's going to be on the Mets. And over the last day from both sides. I guess three signs, the Mets, Giants, and Scott Boris is really who we've heard the most from. Um, over the course of the day, we've had a lot of reporting because this is one of the craziest transaction uh, sequences in baseball history. A lot of reporting about how exactly and why exactly this happened. And so we wanted to do on this show, in addition to kind of digest a little bit a bit what this means baseball-wise, is just some of the details that have come out that we just cannot get over. Because the the the, the, act, the act of this this, this situation alone is amazing, but the details that have come out have only made it that much crazier. A sun has risen and a sun has set on this Carlos Correa story, Jordan. And what I am left with is the feeling of a heist. 
there is something about this happening in the middle of the night that really makes it feel like a heist. Steve Cohen swooping in under the cover of darkness like an art thief, rappelling down the walls by rope of mm-hmm. Oracle Park, wearing a harness and like a black ski mask to like scoop up Correa and bring him through the laser beam alarms and all the way back to New York. Nighttime is a time for mischievousness, and we are left wondering the morning after how did this theft go down? Well, uh, if we're going to go by this analogy, and I don't know how perfect it goes considering how Steve Cohen was chilling in a beautiful sunny evening in Hawaii and <laughs> sunny afternoon in Hawaii. And it seems like the Giants did tell them after, like, again, so Monday morning, Correa wakes up. All right, we're ready. Well, we're okay, ready to rock. This is my point. Tuesday morning. We're building, sorry. Yeah. We're building a timeline of events. Yes. Okay. To try and understand what the shit happened. Yes. This is yes. like we're solving some sort of. I feel like we're Pink Panther. Right. You know? Yes, exactly. And so, sorry, Tuesday morning, Correa wakes up saying, I am about to be introduced to the San Francisco Giant. The day before, they had said, we have a presser tomorrow. Come, we're going to go sign Carlos Correa. It's going to be awesome. He took his physical on Monday. At some point between taking the physical on Monday and Tuesday morning, the Giants said, ah, we're not feeling so great about this contract. On Tuesday, Scott Boris told the Giants, hey, if you're not actually going to, look, you've postponed the presser. If you're not ready to actually do something about this and actually execute this agreement, I need to go talk to other teams, a.k.a. Steve Cohen, who was trying to give me $300 million like last week. But because you were offering three fifty, I wasn't about to, to jeopardize that, right? And so they, and apparently the Giants were like, yeah, no, we're actually not ready to execute the agreement and we're not ready to move forward. And so I guess you are able to go ahead and, and proceed talking to other teams. Now, the one of the big questions I have left is, did the Giants know that something else was going to come together this quickly? Or did they naively think, okay, maybe we're not ready to execute this agreement now, but we will be able to work something out by the end of the day, by the end of the week, whatever. That is a big question I have. Or did they know, like, look, we're just going to have to eat this. We don't want to sign him for whatever reason that we're still kind of wondering all of us right now. We can get into the medical stuff in a second. But did they just think, we're just not doing this. And yeah, he's probably going to sign with someone else by the end of the day. I don't know. That's a huge question I have left. I think it's more likely they thought they had time. If you fly the guy out there and you prepare the press conference and you send the email to media and you make the photoshops of him to sell tickets and you have friend of the show, Logan Webb, go on a radio show and talk about how excited you are. If you do all of that, you're planning to sign him. Okay. I am very skeptical that ownership or leadership at the 11th hour tried to finagle their way out of this contract. I think they thought they had more time than they had, naively so. I think they forgot they were dealing with Scott Boris. I think they got (laughs) cute. And I think it is indicative of the restraint, conservative, hesitant approach that this front office, for all of its wonderful Farhanness has had over the last couple of years. Yeah. They were not dealing with another agent. Or another owner. Or another owner. They were dealing with two legitimately unhinged individuals. (laughs) I mean that in this case in a positive way. Boris 
and Cohen are capable of doing anything at any time, as we knew before this Correa thing went down. Yes. And we very much know going forward, and this is one point I want to bring up, the amount of leverage that this entire situation gives Scott Boris moving forward is significant, okay? He can say to any team, I will go, and he's not bluffing. Every <laughs> team that talks to him, that deals with him moving forward, has to take that at face value because he he went from Correa press conference, 10 a.m. local time, like less what, than like, uh, basically 12 hours, hours later, 12 yeah, hours less, later, he's on yeah. the Mets. Like, yeah, yeah don't mess with Boris because and, he will. <laughs> and to take it one step further. Uh, oh, all right. I'm negotiating. I'm Scott Boris. I'm negotiating with, let's just say the Diamondbacks or the Rangers. Or, okay. Oh, yeah. We don't see. And Boris like, oh, oh, who's. Oh, sorry. Steve Cohen's calling. What, what were you saying about the medical? Sorry. What was that? What was that? I Oh, I'll because I'll take this call. If you if you don't if you're not feeling good about this, like there's this other guy. He'll pay the baseball player. He doesn't really care. <laughs> So the, so the other thing, the next point in the timeline that we now know, and I believe this was from the uh, Verducci article at Sports Illustrated, mm -hmm. is that Correa was all dressed up with nowhere to go. He was yes. in the fancy suit in his hotel room about to head over to the park. That's how close this was. Yeah. And then once this all gets blown up, he's staying at the same hotel as 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 Boris once he realizes all gets blown up and I'm all right, now I'm just sitting in my hotel room thinking like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> this is in the Rosenthal article that once he closed, somehow, you know, finagled and nailed down the deal with Boris, that Correa tackled Boris <laughs> in glee <laughs> No, for, for excitement. We only have one source on this and it is Scott <laughs> Boris. I All right. So describe the physical interaction that you believe happened. I just don't. How old is Boris? He's 70? He's 70, yeah. You cannot tackle a 70-year-old with a glove. Oh, no. This dude's in great shape, man. Come I know on. he's in great shape, but Carlos Correa is like a 6'4 athlete. If I'm Scott Boris, I I don't – yeah, I don't think Correa, like, tackled him with glee. <laughs> oh, I want to – I'm trying to find the exact uh, description of, of what happened here. But but the point is, is no. It, the, the point is, is Correa was very excited. And this is another part that has been brought up from the Giants' perspective of – Hey, wait, we know that the Mets made a run at Correa late anyway. And, oh, like, maybe Correa always wanted to go to the Mets. And do they really want to sign someone that was really going to, that was actually really, his heart was set somewhere else. And I think this is nonsense because the reality is, if you had just given him the $350 million, which you would agree to do, he would have happily gone to the Giants and been really excited to come to the Giants. I really believe that. Sure, of course, he loves Francisco Lindor and is excited to go to the Mets. This was not a binary situation. Like It was not like if, if all of this had gone normally on Tuesday, we would secretly thinking, oh, is Correa thinking about the Mets? Like that's not That would not have been a thing we were talking about at all. So that, I think, is a nonsense uh, plot that we're trying to almost retroactively defend the Giants for that makes no sense to me. I think that free agents and where they want to play is more complicated and more nebulous than we realize. Yep. There are guys who want to have a team want them enough to go to a place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it, Aaron Judge is a good example of this. All things equal, he wanted to be a Yankee. But if the Giants had offered him more money, he would have been perfectly happy to be a Giant. And that's mm -hmm. the case most of the time. 
And while Correa going to the Giants, and I think this was in the Andrew Baggerly article, in some ways didn't felt like more of a pragmatic marriage than mm -hmm. anything else. It was one that both sides were very happy with. Yeah. They would have had a very happy life together. Absolutely. Now, I do think that Correa's joy about going to the Mets and playing with Lindor and being in New York is all genuine. Totally. But totally. I think that it's it's there's not one love here. There are many different jobs that a person can have mm -hmm. that bring them joy. And I yes. think that is the case here with Carlos Correa. Jordan, let's pivot to the Steve Cohen aspect of yes. the story. Yes. So Steve Cohen is is uh, eating dinner, sipping on a martini in Hawaii on Tuesday night. As and, one does. As one does. And we get this, this uh, again, Boris has just been talking to everyone over the last 24 hours, which I get because one, he does anyway. And two, he's flexing like crazy. He's like, this is one of my greatest <laughs> achievements ever, all things considered. If you bang a physical morning oven, I still get you $300 million before nightfall. Like, that's incredible. Um, but this line that Boris keeps repeating to the media, which is that it seems like he texted Steve Cohen, do you have three olives for a third baseman? I want you to back up. That wasn't the first thing he texted. Well, there's a, there's a lot. He said he, I, I just want to go chronologically, right? So okay, he's, yes. Oh, Rosenthal, yes, I think, reported that he texted, this is literally, Koreamus came early. Do you have a second to talk? Now, this is incredible for so many reasons. One, Boris, like, using puns at a time like this is just, Absolutely unhinged. Two, Steve Cohen is Jewish. Yeah. As are now. we. Correa miss. Come on. It's got to be like Koreaka or Tisha Ba Korea or, <laughs> you know, Rosh Hashah Korea. Uh, yeah. I mean, Simchat Korea, I think, is probably the most appropriate for how Mets fans were feeling today. But no, I agree. And and also that that seemed to be, I mean, in this <laughs> about two hours after the Giants postponed the press conference, according to this, uh, according to this report. He's texting him, Steve Cohen, like, hey, Correa back on the market. What's up? What's up? So they start talking over the course of the day. And then at some point, he gives him the line. Yeah, go ahead. The twins do get a phone call. We the talked twins about this twins do get. Yesterday. I mentioned this yesterday. That was one of my first thoughts yesterday is, hey, this deal that he got that Correa ended up getting from the Mets does not seem like that far of a stretch from the 10 to 85. The twins, who obviously were comfortable with his medicals, were more than willing to give. And it seems like from the reporting, they did go back to the twins. But what they really did was go back to the twins as a way to maybe also get the Mets offer even higher. It sounds like the twins were still not willing or ready to go above 10 to 85. And so, you know. Boris continued to, to squeeze a little bit more out of Steve Cohen, which makes sense. But I am glad that the twins were not completely ignored in this situation. It does, I guess, hurt even more that you had a second and third and fourth chance to get him and it didn't work. But alas. So Steve Cohen then eventually gets this message from Boris. Do you have three olives for a third baseman? This is obviously a reference to the martini that he was drinking. Were they FaceTiming? Did Steve Cohen like send him a picture of the martini? Like, I just wonder exactly what prompted Boris to kind of shoehorn this line into the conversation that he so, has now repeated to the media a hundred times. I believe that was on a phone call, would be my guess. Mm. So they're on the phone. What are you doing? How are you? What's your day like in Hawaii? Oh, I had a martini. Oh, that's great. Do you have three olives in there for a third baseman? Which doesn't make any sense. Like, that's just the number three. He could have been like, do you have three shoes on for a third baseman? Do you have three pairs of underwear on for a third? It, 
Scott Boris being this much of a corn king, yeah. right? He's so cheesy. And also being the best agent in baseball history is a yeah. hilarious in sports history. I mean, maybe. well, we're, yeah. we're, I mean, honestly, right. When you consider what he's kind of achieved over the last and, 20 years. And I think Steve Cohen has figured out that the trick to dealing with Scott Boris mm-hmm. is to pretend that the jokes are funny. <laughs> yes. I like to think that every other owner and GM just, you know, survives Boris's jokes. He probably saved like 20 million by laughing at these jokes. Cohen's like, ha, 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 that's amazing. Yo, Scott. Scott. Oh, Scott, you're so funny. No, it's so true. Now, this gets to the other part, kind of back to your, your heist uh, description, which is one of my favorite details about this, which is the time zones, because now it is getting very late on the West Coast. It's a reasonable time in Hawaii, but it's the middle of the night on the East Coast. And one of the most fascinating details that I found about all this is that, yes, during the day, Billy Epler was very much roped in as like, hey, we're, we're kind of back in here, right? Like, this is a possibility, right? But after, you know, again, it's midnight when they're getting close to the deal West Coast time. It's 3 a.m. In, in, in the East Coast. It seems like essentially the whole Mets front office, including Buck Showalter, we're going to get to this detail in a second, which I love, has no idea that a deal is actually, like, happening quickly. And over the course of that evening, as the East Coast is asleep, it's just they lock it up and they make it happen. And so when everyone wakes up on, on Wednesday morning, this detail from the Rosenthal story is incredible, which is basically that Buck Showalter's wife, <laughs> like Buck is at home in, in Texas for the holidays and he comes in the kitchen and his wife is like, looks at her phone is like, did you guys sign Correa? <laughs> and Buck says, not that I know of. <laughs> and she goes, I think you did. <laughs> which is just like again like i know buck the managers aren't necessarily the first people to hear but that that is how like it it all truly did happen overnight for most of the mets front office and that shows how many how in control steve cohen is and the degree to which he's able to make this shit happen it is it is it is just an incredible sequence if your country has a good dictator it's better than an average (laughs) democracy jordan and steve cohen Oh. is highlighting that. Speaking of an average democracy, let's pivot to the San mm. Francisco Giants mm. who are left with more than egg on their face. It's a no. whole fucking chicken. Uh, Grant yeah. Brisby and Andrew Baggerly uh, over at The Athletic. They, they brought wrote, the heat. They brought the bra, 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 bra. Recommend both of those articles. I think the the Baggerly one raises a bunch of really interesting questions. Mm. Um, but whatever those like the Giants are just left in such a bad position. It doesn't really matter to them or for them what they did or what they saw or what they said to Boris. What matters is what everyone is thinking now. I can't imagine a nugget of news coming out that would change the way the Giants look. Unlike unless Correa touches first base and his foot explodes or something, right? Like, <laughs> right. There's nothing that's going to happen in the next few months, arguably years, that can possibly validate them, if ever. Um, but yeah, there's no... And especially because there's no where to pivot. Like, after Judge, they pivoted to Correa. Like, there was still a version of a very successful offseason. Their offseason with Correa was looking like one that was pretty damn good considering the ridiculously high expectations. They came into this offseason with higher expectations than arguably any team in the league, even more than the Mets when you consider the Mets were most focused 
on retention, not just adding guys, but they were focused on adding, 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 and they had done it. And Correa was the center of that. And now we're looking around saying, all right, I guess Brandon Crawford's back. I guess we're like there's there's really nothing to do. And now you are no now it's possible they weren't gonna get anywhere close to the Padres and Dodgers anyway. But as far as fan reaction and what this what this tells your fans and how like that is just boy, I, I yeah, I just I don't know how you come back from that. And and the and listen, you don't hear it from me. I mean, the people like what Brisbane and Bagley are writing are making it sound even worse than I even feel like it is. Like calling it the worst offseason in baseball history, like stuff like that. And I know it's much more personal for them, but man, oh man, it's it's really really bad. It's just a big big oof. Now, congratulations yeah. to Brandon Crawford, who has yes. his old job back as the shortstop of the Presumably. I hope Giants. so. I was going to say, it would be really shitty if they still are like, oh, Elvis Andrews, or oh, we'll trade for a better Zari or something. Like, that would be really unfortunate. I hope Brandon Crawford gets his job back. That said, if I'm Brandon Crawford, I'm showing up to spring training, first workout, and I'm going to third base and waiting for them to be like, yeah, Brandon, actually, can you... <laughs> I know. Just go to third. Okay. Can you go back to short? He's like, oh, oh, you want me to go back oh. to short? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. All right. If you if you insist, I'll, I'll move on back to shortstop where I've played the entire, you know, every minute of my career. I think their bench coach and infield guy, Kai Correa, would laugh at that bit, to be honest. <laughs> now, where do the Giants go from here besides uh, 77 wins in 2023? Yeah. It's tough because... Giants fans have been waiting for the big fish for a while now for Stanton, Harper, Judge, and now Correa. Next offseason is Otani or Devers, and, and the one after Soto that after is Soto. That. Mm-hmm. But like, it's tough to keep kicking the can down the road on your dreams if yeah. there's never any belief that it's going to happen. So this is just a tough, tough look for the San Francisco Giants. Now what for the Mets, Jordan? Now, this is an interesting thing because Eduardo Escobar, the second half of the season, was outstanding as their third baseman. You can envision a scenario where he's like, screw you, I want to play every day. I'm pretty good. You can envision a scenario where they DH him every day. And you can envision a scenario where he's just like an incredible luxury bench bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know they they did just sign Danny Mendick, who is another much cheaper version and not anywhere close to as good as Eduardo Escobar. Escobar deserves to be playing every day somewhere, but it's also one of those situations where it's like talk about a vibes guy. Like, does Eduardo Escobar like he might at, the, at his point in his career be like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I did get money. I, I already did get paid. I do just want to win. I'm having a great time here. Maybe I'm only DHing or I'm only DHing against lefties or I'm only playing this position so and so. And he'll be fine with it. I mean, this is the kind of thing where it's like you look at a normal team and say, oh, maybe they could shed some salary. And yes, they did salary dump James McCann, but that had more to do with the roster spot than it did the money. And so in this case, I feel like they'll, they're going to keep him because, I, I mean, the, the Mendick deal, considering they clearly expect him to be on the big league roster, uh, Guillaume also still there. But this is good. You want a deep bench, and that's still not something you can really say that they had before this move. So I think they'll probably keep Escobar, even if it is in more of a bit role. All right, Jordan, I think we have covered the Correa to the Mets details, the facts, the specifics, the heist of 2022. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we will unveil, veil, unveil MetsCon for the very first time here on Baseball Barbacast featuring the one and only Bobby Wagner. Not the one with the Seahawks. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Dave LaGreca from Busted Open, home of the best pro wrestling talk on the planet. Here two exclusive episodes every week on the Busted Open podcast. Friday afternoons, myself and Tommy Dreamer bring you the legacy of the territories, a special series looking at the history of what built pro wrestling in the U.S. Then Sunday morning, it's the Masters Class with Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry. Download Busted Open right now on the SXM app, available with all of our trials and popular plans or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman for a very special moment in the history of this podcast. So Jordan and I used to have a show. It was uh, similar to this show, but different. And on that show, our producer was not named Chris Tyler, and he was not Australian. He was named Bobby Wagner, and he was a Mets fan. And we had a segment called MetsCon in which we gauged the panic mode of Mets fandom at a particular moment. And we are proud to announce that Bobby Wagner is joining us here on Baseball Barbacast for a little bit of Mets Con. Bobby, hello. Good morning. Hi. I feel like Michael Jordan when he came back and he was wearing the number 45. You know, like I don't feel like my normal self because I'm not the one recording this Zoom and I'm not the one that's going to edit it. But I still feel like I got the juice. You know, I still feel like I'm ready to do Mets Con. That's got that's to much better. liberating, though. Yeah, that, that's much better than Wizards, Jordan. <laughs> well, yeah. It yet to be determined whether or not I sound like Wizards Jordan, and that's the energy that I bring. Right. Well, uh, Bobby, since <laughs> Bobby, since we uh, relaunched uh, this podcast, we have had we've dabbled in in oh, it's, Of course, we got to do MetsCon at some point, and there have been a few situations, both good and bad, where it was like, oh, this would be a good time uh, for Bobby to come on. I mean, this really presented itself uh, on a platter. In a very different way, right? I mean, when we we were doing the podcast, when Steve Cohen uh, bought the Mets in, in 2020, and we've seen the Mets go through some, even just since then, go through some ridiculous highs and ridiculous lows. And this past, these past few weeks, but especially these last 24 hours, have seemed to ascend Mets fandom into a totally different experience. And so the first obvious question is, where is the MetsCon meter at? Again, to explain, we're comparing this to DEFCON, which is very important, is that lower is worse, right? DEFCON 1 means like full, you know, nuclear uh, Nuclear war has started. Nuclear war has started. <laughs> and so when we've compared it, again, this is a little bit less serious, but the point is... is a, It's a not Metscon, less serious. Come on, this is a baseball podcast. You got to hype I'm, it up. But I believe, but I believe the the most. I don't remember exactly the, the context, but I believe we might have reached MetsCon two at one point. But yes. where are we at now? Because the scale is like a totally different. We're we're working in a totally different framework now. So where are we at? I think like the person who's operating the scale, which I guess is me in this analogy, is like too busy scrolling Twitter to actually press the button and be like, whoa, whoa, what is Jeff Passan saying? Oh, he's not saying anything because he was asleep. Um, I think we are at MetsCon. Now we're we're not Ooh. it's not bad, right? Like we're not worried. We're not feeling bad. How could I be feeling bad after this offseason? It's been wonderful. Carlos Correa is on the Mets. Have you heard? Justin Verlander's on the Mets. Have you heard? Jacob Agram is not on the Mets, although he did take out a full page ad today, which is phenomenal. Thanks, Jake. He uh he is operating in 1954. Um <laughs> I think Metscon four, because you guys have been actually alluding to this on your last couple pods, which I've been listening to. Excellent work by you guys. Very, very oh, thanks, happy Bobby. to be a listener these days. Um, you've been alluding to the fact that there's so much pressure now on this team. And so in my little heart where, I, where I'm worried about things going wrong, my cynical self, my Mets fan self, I'm worried that 
the pressure associated with all of the attention on Steve Cohen and Mets fandom and this Mets team and all of these high priced players that we 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 put this you know load on these players just because of how much money they're making because we're obsessed with that for some reason in the baseball world. And so it's not Metscon five because I guess Metscon five was like when they win the World Series. Like that's what I'll <laughs> right. say at the World Series parade. <laughs> that's Although, disarmament. Metscon five is disarmament. If you go back in the history of Metscon, I've probably called some things Metscon five because I was just like, oh, I'm tired. Sure. I don't yeah. I don't have the energy to sound the alarms today. But mm-hmm. it's not Metscon five because there's so much pressure on this team now. But I would be I would sound entitled if I tried to make it anything worse than that. Mm-hmm. The stakes yeah. are real now, right? Yeah. It, we well, are. They always presented... felt real to me. When you <laughs> watch 150 feel... Mets games a year, they feel pretty real. But just like now, they either do it, and it's amazing, and the chances of them actually doing it are well higher than they were a year or two years or three years ago, or it's a spectacular, delightful failure, like when a <laughs> SpaceX, you know, craft. Blows oh God! Up. Don't bring <laughs> him on. into this. Come on, we're we're not we're not we're not uh, uh, condoning that. But hey, here's what I'll say, Bobby. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to I I talked to you a little bit about after the Mets got eliminated, right? And we talked about this on the pod too, where it was like it felt different that it ending that abruptly this season, where you had this incredible roster and this incredible regular season. It felt in a different way, where it's not like the magic ran out. It was like, oh God, like that was a lot of of great to end this kind of embarrassingly. And now, as Jake points out, it's even more dire in that sense, right? And the urgency is there as much. Now, and you made this point on, on your emergency tip and pitches pod, or sorry, you're, you're not emergency. We don't call emergency podcasts. We don't believe in that. It course. was 16 hours late. That'd be the worst emergency responders <laughs> exactly. of all time. But you you made the point too, where it's like, it's possible that everyone is going to be rooting against them in a very unique way. For the first yeah. time, even if Mets fans maintain a level of humility and sadness and, you know, irony and all that stuff. The point is, is that the average fan is still looking at them and saying, oh, your payroll is $200 million and everyone else. And you have all these great players who for, forget. Let's move aside how much they're making. The reality is you do have a lot of all stars on your team now. <laughs> and yes. like that is ripe for for other teams, envy and hatred, sports hatred. So that is a new era that we're entering in that I don't even feel like we reached this past year. Do you How do that? you not become the yeah. Red Sox? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. I've been th- I've been too worried about how do I not become the Yankees, you know, since everybody's <laughs> talking about Steve Cohen being the new Steinbrenners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that I can prevent Mets fandom from acting like Red Sox fandom, to be honest. Like, I think that is closer to what would happen if the Mets became a, a modern version of a successful franchise that can sustain it. Um, I-, I guess <clears throat> I'm not like that worried about people not liking the Mets this year to be honest because nobody can hate the Mets more than me you can't take that away from me I have lived I'm like Bane I was born into the darkness you know like all you guys hate the Mets now it's just in vogue molded by it that's a trend please and that's that's all you guys too like that's that's Mets fandom and that's why to me like the Mets fandom is Jewy you know like there is the level of like self-hatred that Mm. and like uh, dis, uh, paranoid, like pessimism that is inherent in me and Jordan and half of your people. And that permeates Mets fandom as well. And I think that even if the Mets succeed, that will not go away over time. 
It, oh, no. it will take a long time. It hasn't gone away with Red Sox fans. They still act like they're the cursed team and they've won four World Series this century. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think that like a lot of people who have Twitter accounts will be mm-hmm. like, this is great. Steve Cohen spending all this money. Good for the game, right? Like a lot of the, the intellectual thought leaders of the baseball internet us us at tipping pitches included and i'm sure you guys feel that way too to a certain extent although you'll you'll like make it fun to make carlos correa a villain because that's fun for the game and it's also good natured but like everybody who is an uncle you know everybody who has a niece or a nephew will be like what the mets are doing is ruining the game you know like everybody's uncle at every theoretical dinner for the next year is david axelrod apparently <laughs> as we saw <laughs> all time that's not like david axelrod come on that's not like him that's not like I, the, that's not like the dems yeah that was disappointing that was a disappointing take from 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 dave uh big dave uh yeah here's the other thing about the mets uh moving forward and the red sox comparison is interesting although that would require them to actually win first right like that has not happened yet right. <laughs> so uh, the red sox can be cursed same thing with cubs in some way obviously that's turned in a very different way uh over the last uh, five or so years but just, just strictly looking at this roster now, like I am also looking at it because in a way that is much more successful than the way that the Rangers are trying to do it, where you're trying to, because the farm system was not great, you're trying to speed run into automatic World Series contention by spending yeah. like crazy. And the Mets are in a much better position to do that because they had the homegrown stars like Nimmo and Alonzo and McNeil to build around, right? But because this roster is pretty, particularly on the pitching side, is pretty old, that does feel like, oh, we got it. We got to go. We can't. This, <laughs> And that is where I, I do feel the anxiety kind of ratcheting up in a, in a pretty quick way um, if things are not going that great that quickly. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you, and I know you don't care what other people you're, – you're, you're so focused on – you have your own world that you're going to exist in and love and hate and be miserable in and be extremely happy in no matter what other people are saying about your team. There's no way I'm not going to be texting you guys after every <laughs> Darren Ruff at that. Like the, even though Carlos Correa is on the team, like if right. Darren Ruff gets right. an AB, right. I'm going to be talking about Buck. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be watching every James McCann Orioles at bat just to text you guys. <laughs> he, he's going to have like a 115 OPS plus this year. Right. And he's going to block gonna, Adley. Yeah. No, 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 no. And he's the Orioles like rebuild is going to be worth nothing. Right. Yeah. Listen, no, I agree. Listen. He's going to be awesome. And the Mets are going to be great. And Mets fans are going to be like, I can't believe we messed up James McCann. Well, it's just and Darno all over again. It's what we did last year. This is mm. what I honestly am really looking forward to about Mets fan in this year is finding the things to whine about on vacation mm. is kind of what it is. Yeah. Like the white and Lotus I, white Lotus I, season three, come to Queens, Mike white. You heard it here first. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Bobby, before we let you go, is there anything else, whether Mets world or beyond that you would like to get off your chest, off your mind? Um, I would just like to say that to, to the, to my fellow Mets fans out there, I feel mm. like this has been a meeting place for Mets fans, even if not everybody who listens to <laughs> the Barbacast now uh, is a Mets fan or not everybody who listens to baseball barbecue as a Mets fan. I feel like it's a meeting place for all of us. Mm. I would just like to say, please resist the urge to become Yankees fans. Don't be the whole like 27 rings, bro. We have more money than you, bro. Like to all of the other teams, unless you're doing it ironically to make fun of the Yankees fans, in which case you get a pass. But there's some nuance there. You know, don't act like you're the new swaggering guy in town just because Steve Cohen came in here with his financial crimes money. And to that, I would say my final point is that it could go away at any point. You know, Steve Cohen already paid a $1 billion SEC fine. Who's to say he doesn't have to pay a $10 billion SEC fine? Please, please, please 
Just enjoy it while you mm-hmm. still can. Exactly. It does seem like he is also treating it like I'm just going to do this until I can't <laughs> until until either the, the law or the other owners, by, you know, by way of some sort of new uh, forget tax, because that's clearly not uh, stopping him uh, can slow him down. But Bobby Wagner is it is a pleasure to share a, a Zoom with you once again. Thank you so much for bringing Metscon back. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. But truly, congratulations because it is a great. It does give me joy now when, like, it's it's awesome. It is it is it is great. I do believe it is good for the sport and it is good for all my Mets fan friends like you. So you want to plug anything, Bob? Uh, The Tipping Pitches Podcast. Get it wherever you get your pods. It's where I where I talk about baseball with my friend Alex and sometimes other people. Sometimes you guys. Sometimes us. Sometimes us. Uh, Thank you, Bobby. Sorry to Chris Tyler for stealing Carlos Correa. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. All right, let's wrap things up here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Great to have MetsCon back mm. on our lives. I'm happy we kept that in our pocket yes. for such a enormous moment like the <laughs> Correa Cohen heist. <laughs> He'll be back when they start 1 and 8. <laughs> I can't wait. Ah, I can't wait. Um now the other news from yesterday in New York baseball besides mm. the hilarious GQ article. Um Oh yeah, I haven't dug into that yet, but yes. Just I I wanted more skin is what I'll say from the pictures. I they were too clothed. Uh, the Aaron Judge press conference at Yankee Stadium was yesterday. I was there. It had all the pomp and circumstance you would expect. They flew Derek Jeter up for it. They brought Judge's parents and his wife these ornate uh, bouquets of flowers. Mm. The whole nine yards. They had like 85 people up on the dais, on the podium, whatever. Jordan, what was your experience of this press conference from afar? And then I'll talk about what it was like to be there. Well, there aren't many it, it the average press conferences you always make fun of me for watching these press conferences only involves 3 to 4 people, right? So you know it's a big deal when the dais it looks like an awards dinner. You know, there was like 10 people up there. They couldn't even fit all the people in the camera. Like on when you were watching it, you could not see everybody that was up there. Um and that's that's appropriate. I mean, this is one of the biggest days in franchise history. It's a day that Yankees fans, you know, for 7 minutes because of Arson Judge thought wasn't going to happen. Um although it was great to see Judge acknowledge that and be like, "I was on a plane. I don't know what the fuck that was about and I love that we still don't know what the fuck that was about." So that was great. I um yeah. I am skeptical that that's true because the plane he was on was the private plane, right? On the way to That's San true. Diego. That's true. There's no That's way true. that plane doesn't have Wi-Fi. And there's no way he did not have at least texting capability on that plane. And there's no way no one texted him about it. So I think it is a convenient way to handle it. And I have some skepticism. Now, that being said, I do want to commend Aaron Judge for his forthrightness and honestness, honestness, honesty yesterday. <laughs> because I, I wrote about this over at Fox Sports. I think it would have been very easy for Judge to be like, this was destiny. This is where I always belonged. This is the jersey I could 
I w- was always going to wear. And he didn't say that. He was asked by someone, did you ever imagine yourself in a different uniform other than the Yankees? And he didn't give like an immediate obvious answer to that. He pondered and he evaded. And by doing that, he made it clear that there were moments over the winter where, yes, he did see himself as a giant and at the later stages a Padre. And I found that to be the truth mm-hmm. and gave a much more pragmatic reading of this entire situation where all of the free agent shenanigans that they pulled were not totally just shenaniganry. There was yeah. a real chance that he could have left. And I like that Yankees fans experience those seven minutes of panic because they will now appreciate, I think, not that they didn't appreciate Aaron Judge before. That's not what I'm saying. I think there is an added level of appreciation around Aaron Judge being a Yankee for the rest of his career because of how close he came to leaving and how real he considered not being a Yankee anymore. I think that actually makes it better and realer and more raw than this fake you know, concocted narrative of him being born in Yankee pinstripes. Yeah. And he said, right. He said, like, I would have regretted not going through the process. And so I did it. And this is what I landed on. And I think it worked out. And I do think it was his top choice and it worked out for everybody. And and yeah, it was it was a hell of a hell of an event, even if it was a little bit overshadowed uh, by what was going on in Mets world. So obviously it was it's good to see him uh, back there. And you could see the relief, particularly for Aaron Boone, I think, uh, seemed to be the most uh, relieved. But it did seem like quite the uh, dramatic and 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 wonderful reintroduction. Also wanted to quickly shout out the Dansby Swanson presser um, just because, first of all, uh, the two quick things on this. The one thing is that sometimes free agents sign and you see them in New Jersey's and it's like, that looks weird as hell. And sometimes it's like, that looks exactly right. And this time I saw the pictures of Dansby. I was like, oh, yeah, he's been on the Cubs forever. <laughs> It's like, it looks perfect. It looks great. Um, And he told an extremely touching story uh, at his press conference, which I encourage everyone to go uh, check out the video of, um, which is basically that his grandfather uh, recently passed away. And when he was a kid, he would always go over to his grandfather's house. He always had a Cubs game on um, because, you know, WGN was was broadcast everywhere, even in in Braves country. And so he talked about how that uh, was, was, of course, it's not like the Cubs didn't want him anyway. And it's not like they weren't offering a big contract, but that kind of added a, a sentimental touch to what is, a, what is a really nice fit? And I thought that was really cool to see Dansby talk about that. So Let's rapid fire some trades before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, other transactions. The Mets signed Adam Adovino to a two-year deal. Danny Mendick, like we talked about, and traded away James McCann. You make a good point here, Jordan. These are Epler moves, not Steve Cohen moves. And there is yes. an important difference there. Yes. When you are looking at an offseason, when you're talking about owners like this, Verlander and Correa at the top level, that's Steve Cohen just doing his thing, right? I, I'm not, I'm just not going to give Billy Epler credit for that because it, it's fine. I don't think he, he understands that too, right? Those are Steve Cohen being like, oh, he's a Cy Young Hall of Famer. Okay, yeah, he's on my team now. Oh, Carlos Correa, I really like him. You've seen him on TV all the time. He's awesome. Here's, you know, all the $300 million. Anything below that is Billy Epler going to Steve Cohen and saying, I believe in this guy. I believe in Kodai Senga. I believe in Jose Quintana. You know, I believe in Omar Narvaez. Those are the moves that we judge Billy Epler on. And these are some more examples of that. I'm laughing my ass off at the idea of Steve Cohen calling Danny Mendick personally from Hawaii to be like, you're on the Mets. Here's a million dollars. The San Diego Padres, a team that has lacked depth more Van, I don't have an analogy. It's too early. <laughs> they bring in Matt Carpenter and yes. Seth Lugo. I think these are both super important 
additions for them. Carpenter will give them a bat off the bench. He'll probably DH a good yeah, amount I, against I righties. Think he'll play, he'll probably the starting DH he'll, on opening he'll day. He'll play a lot. I mean, that bottom of the lineup right now and the bench is looking really thin. He can fill in a bunch of positions. And I just can't wait to see how real his 1100 OPS <laughs> just was. Yes. Like Clearly, he's still majorly quality, but I don't think he's that good. It seems like the Padres plan on moving Nick Martinez into the starting rotation. And I would imagine Seth Lugo now just goes into the Nick Martinez role. I, I think Lugo's the starter too. I think Lugo's the huh. five. It looks like Martinez, because they don't have after uh, Darvish, Musgrove, and Snell, like there's not really anybody else there. Like this is still a very top heavy roster, yeah. a very talented one, but I think Lugo is a great fit there. And it looks like the Dodgers were after him too. So that's probably a good sign. The Orioles signed Michael Givens, who was an Oriole, uh, which feels like 25 years ago. <laughs> the third main addition of their offseason, they signed Kyle Gibson, and then they signed the hitter version of Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier. So this addition is the best type of fan service. Like, I saw this mm. news, and I was like, you know what? Yes. Good, like, good reliever who this fan base has emotional connection to. Great. No problems. Easy win. Good job, Mike Elias. Yep. Speaking of Baltimore Orioles that are beloved, yes. the Royals signed yes. uh, 2022 Orioles Cy Young Jordan Lyles to munch up some innings over in Kansas City. I assume he has the same role as he did in Baltimore to and help tutor a young staff and bring some competency to the proceedings. I got to see. I saw the Royals fans being like, oh, this is terrible. This is exactly what you need if you're the Royals. I honestly love this for them because you're not competing in 2023. I'm sorry. Uh, let's, let's be real, right? Your pitching staff in particular needs someone that can make 32 competent starts. And there are very few guys you could truly bet on more than Jordan Lyles to deliver you those innings. There is value in literally throwing any amount of competent innings in the major leagues. And the Royals had so few of those guys last year. He's exactly what they need. Sure, a two-year deal versus one-year deal maybe is a little goofy if you're trying to compete in 24. But I think this is, makes plenty of sense. And I honestly love the fit. Uh, the Angels signed Brandon Drury to the same contract. Hilarious. <laughs> that, that Jordan Lyles Dude, did. To, to that Jordan Lyles yeah. did. I am convincing myself on the Angels, Jordan. I am falling in love. Not in love. I'm falling in like with the Angels very slowly. And I feel it happening to me. Mm -hmm. They've had a really good, smart, measured, yes, savvy offseason. Mm -hmm. And I need to snap out of this before I do something <laughs> stupid. No, it's fine. I, I honestly mostly agree with you. I think it just adds to the the last dance that I kept describing, which is that this is it, man. Like they're driving towards the cliff that is Shohei Otani leaving and you might as well give it one more go. They're not exactly building anything sustainable, but they are putting together a roster that looks like it could actually win some baseball games in 2023 pending health, which is a bad sentence for the Angels of Anaheim. If I were a betting man, I would hammer the under on the 2025. <laughs> yeah, because that, that number is going to get up there now, right? Like that. that no, no over not and... for 23, 25. Oh, oh. oh well, that's, I mean, that's the not going to be 2025 Angels <laughs> are going to not, suck. That number is not going to be very high. I'd still probably take the under on 23, whatever it ends up at. But still a nice move. I do agree they've had a nice offseason. Uh, if it feels like we're rushing through this last segment, that's because I need to be at the Carlos Correa. God damn it, Jake. At the Carlos <laughs> Rodon press conference here in New York in about an hour. Uh, Jordan, he sent us a picture of him a couple days ago, clean shaven, but with a mustache. Do we mm. see him with a mustache today or is he clean shaven for the presser? Does he have the mustache when he's actually pitching for the Yankees? 
I think clean shaven today, mustache during the season. That's my prediction. That's my prediction. All right. Um, but we'll see. So you can head on back to Yankee Stadium. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for joining us for MetsCon. Thank you to Chris Tyler for uh, joining us, uh, for, for producing, of course. Uh, and we will have more episodes coming out next week with some bonus content over the holidays. So stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter. We'll be tweeting out some more info about that. But thank you all for listening. Uh, and we'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.